everybody. This is Atkins. And this is Adam. Welcome to episode 120 of the Almighty Podcast. This is it. This is not it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie and you know it. <laughs> you paused for just long enough for it to be funny, though. Exactly. I'm out. We've got, we've got practice. 120 is a good round number. I think we're, it is a good number. Good, good place to end. <laughs> I don't know about a good place to end. We're like right in the middle of a season. We can't end here. Yeah, there are other My Hero podcasts. They'll pick up the slack. It'll be fun. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen our numbers? I think we're number one. Ooh, are we? I, well, I, I like to think we are. Oh. <laughs> I will say, our Spotify wrapped up numbers, I was pretty happy with, man. Like, I was Thank you too. seriously to everyone out there that's listening. When, when we saw those, like, I think we had, what, like 400-something people were in their top 10 podcast, and like 100 of them were in their number one? That blows my mind. Yeah, uh, we. I, I don't remember if I shared those numbers to the Twitter, but I know we shared them in Discord, and those numbers were extremely flattering. Like, I mean humbling too um yeah. and, that, and those are just spotify numbers which is the which is also wild like i don't think that those accounted for anything in itunes i would i wouldn't suspect no, that no, they did. didn't to be fair though like since spotify introduced podcasts from from what i've heard from other podcasters as well pretty much almost all of our numbers are coming from spotify uh, like it's weighted like 80% of our listeners are Spotify compared to anything else. So, hmm. and that's, that's the same for other podcasts as well. I've heard that from several other creators I know. Well, I'm looking at these numbers again. I pulled up what we, sh- I did share these on Twitter. So we were heard in 33 countries. Um, U- US, UK, India, Finland, and Canada were in the top five. We were up 86% of followers. I assume that's a Spotify term for like people who subscribed. I guess so, yeah. Um, we were up 66% of hours, which I assume is numbers of hours streamed over the course of the year. I don't know. Some of these to go not very well explained. 56% streams and 45% listeners, all of those are up. We were top 10 for 419 fans, top 5 for 305, and number 1 for 93. That's crazy. Like, welcome, welcome to uh, Almighty Podcast, where our theories are made up and so are the numbers. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And it's cool, too, because so many people have all of these different opinions and theories about what's happening in the My Hero world. So, like, if you just listen to the two of us, you're really only getting a small sliver of that whole piece of the pie. And Uh, you're receiving poor information. So (laughs) (laughs) We're educational, but we didn't say how much. Yeah. (laughs) By all means, listen to those who are right. Uh, Come here to laugh at us and occasionally with us. Uh, go to everybody else for actual real analysis and insight. Um, we we we're the wrong clocks when it when it comes to uh, you know or the broken clocks. That's that's the term. Broken clocks. We're right every now and then, but uh, it yeah, shocks hey, us. I think I called the uh, 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 all for one like taking over Shigaraki. Man, I I still can't believe that's what happened. But like, I feel like I called that when I was right on that. Yeah, and I called Aizawa cutting off his leg. Dude, I know. Holy cow! Like. When that episode starts, which is literally the one we're about to talk about, I just have in my notes, damn. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, holy, wow. Uh, did not expect that. So that was exciting. Chunk's wild. Before we jump into 122, though, Adam, uh, there's been some My Hero news um, that has taken the Twitters by storms, one might say. Uh, the first is, and this isn't, this isn't, I mean, it's news for My Hero, but it's a pattern that has been prevalent in the Fortnite world for a long time but uh so they they are renowned at this point for bringing in other ips as skins uh giving them unique powers uh like obviously naruto. relevant to 
Huh? DBZ. I think Naruto yeah. was one. DBZ. I've seen. Darth Vader's in there. Um, yeah. Yeah. DBZ. Man, I remember. I, you know, I, I've never played a single second of Fortnite. Um, but I, di- I would be lying if if I didn't say that I did get uh, a, a decent bit of joy out of seeing people making Vegeta do all those weird Fortnite dances. Um, those, <laughs> yeah. those brought me a good, a modicum of joy. I think I've even seen Thanos as one of the, like, I feel like at some point in time I saw a screenshot of like four players and each of them were IPs that should not belong in a game together. And I was just thinking like my childhood self wouldn't believe you. <laughs> you well, know? Deku is now in Fortnite. I believe there are some other My Hero characters that are either there as well or are making their way eventually. Um, the only clip that I've seen to to date as we record is one of Deku doing a smash um, against some players and like destroying part of a building in the process. And what was the coolest thing about it was that his smash was um, kind of uh, his arm was trailed by the uh, different uh, colors of the rainbow, kind of like we've seen in the Vestige Realm, as we'll talk about. Um, you oh, know, yeah. the, the, the rainbow swirlies are, are kind of mm-hmm. evident there, which was cool, but they jacked up his mouth. Like I, <laughs> I think I tweeted at some point that, or RT'd somebody who had gone in and fixed his mouth. Cause his mouth looks messed up when he's oh, doing yeah. the smash. You shared that in the discord. And I remember seeing that that was, that's uh that fix was pretty good. Cause yeah, he looks like flat or something. I don't know how to describe it. It's weird looking though. His, his mouth is very small and it's still weird to me that. Deku is going to be running around with a gun. Like, I think I might have also retweeted one where it says that uh, he traded in one for all for Glock for all. Um, (laughs) And it's just going to be surreal, honestly, to see Goku and Vegeta, who are like universal class fighters, like could actually could destroy universes running around with pistols uh, and fighting Deku, who also is strapped. (laughs) Like, that's just such a strange concept to me. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so that was part of the news. Uh, how do you feel about that? Are you big like first person shooter? Or are you are you excited by the opportunity to run around as Deku with a gun and possibly pull off a smash against somebody? Is that gratifying to you as a as a fan of my hero? I have never even downloaded Fortnite. Like I don't know what any I couldn't I couldn't even begin to describe to you what the objective of Fortnite is. So to be well, fair, it's, no, it's to like, win, of course. Well, sure, but I mean, it, like you say, it's a first-person shooter. Is it like one of those arcade style, or is it even called no battle royale? That's what I'm thinking. Is it like a battle royale style game? I might even be wrong about the first-person thing. It could be third-person. I literally have not played it. Yeah. So, like you know more than me, and it. you're questioning what you're telling me. So, like, if yeah. that tells the audience <laughs> how much we know about this, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I. If it was a fighting game, I'd be all about it. Like, I would love a massive fighting game that's actually done really well, like like Smash Brothers or even Fighter Z is really good. I love Fighter Z. Guilty Gear is a big thing. I like Guilty Gear a lot. Um, if you were to take all of those IPs and throw them in a fighting game, I'd be all for it. But I'm not much into shooters. Well, have I got news for you that's fairly well dated now, a few years, but there is... A, oh, that that garbage Shonen Jump fighting yeah. game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I said I wanted a fighting game, Adkins. Not a waste of money and time. <laughs> that game's horrible. Jeez. Yeah, I've seen some people play it. Uh, it does not look like the game for me either. But there are My Hero characters that fight One Piece characters, and 
DBZ characters and who knows what else is up in there. Yeah, the concept of that game is great. Just, uh, you know, the execution is not always perfect with those kinds of games. Well, perhaps this other bit of news will appeal to, and I know that you're a tabletop gamer of sorts. Obviously, you come from a a TTRPG background um, in the podcast world, but I have also played tabletop games with you uh, and your lovely wife, Hannah, and other friends of yours before. I remember uh, Hannah used to do board game reviews, so... Yeah. Yeah, we're into board games. We, we dig it. So, My Hero announced a game called Escape from the Giant Robot Villain Attack, and this is a... It's a a game that is both digital and physical, so there is a board that you manipulate, but it also requires the use of a smartphone or tablet or PC. Um, I don't know exactly how this these interactions work, but I've played games similar to that with similar concepts, um, so it's not totally unbeknownst to me the the interaction between those things but in it you play a second year student who's interning with of all people slide and go you know the guy who was the one hero that uh that wasn't hawks that was working with the uh the uh metal liberation army or front whatever right mla was that what they were and then they were the plf whatever it is yeah um yeah we're bad at this uh you also use a drone uh that is of hatsume's design and you have a quirk that's called riddle eye that allows you to see information about targets but all of the information is disguised as riddles that you must solve in order to uh it's an escape room so you're basically solving these riddles um combining clues to essentially escape apparently they've used uh, this concept with a couple of other um, anime uh, franchises before. There's an official website for it. I, if I can remember, I will link it uh, in the show notes so that you can, if you if you can read Japanese, it'll. I'm sure it tells you a lot. Uh, <laughs> the only thing that I can tell from it, maybe, uh, is that it could potentially play for 150 to 180 minutes for a session. That seems like a lot. There's no way that's right. But those are the only numbers that I see. It says 150 to 180, and then there's a bunch of symbols that I can't interpret around those numbers. So, um, But you can order a kit that comes with all the physical components that you need. Um, It also suggests, of course, that you'll need a digital able device, uh, like a pencil and a notepad, some scissors. So I'm curious to see um, if this is one of those kind of one-and-dones. You know, like a lot of the... my. My biggest gripe with escape room styled tabletop games is that they typically are the kind uh, are of the nature that once you finish with them, you just you don't there's no replay value. Yeah, especially if uh, and some of these brands make you physically interact with the components in such a way that you damage them irreparably there's no putting it back together you're cutting things up and whatnot or like um, ripping them up yeah yeah so i don't i i would guess based on what i've kind of read maybe that you'll end up affecting the board state and the other components in a way that you might not be able to replay this but again i don't speak japanese and i haven't read a bunch in english uh on the website about it either so i know like Google Chrome and Firefox and stuff have plugins and whatnot that you can use to like translate uh, sites. But if you're on mobile, you can use an app called Google Lens and you can like point it at uh, other languages and it will convert it live for you. It's really cool. So I wonder if we could get our hands on uh, one of these kits because I don't think they're in English from what I can tell. Like, I don't even know that the US are getting these. So if we could get our hands on one, though, it would be so cool to like record us playing through one of these. It would be uh, be a neat, fun thing to do. I did find, I just now clicking through, found um, a, an article covering this on AnimeGeek.com that says, uh, number one, it says that the quirk is called Mystery Eye instead of Riddle Eye. 
Um, but it says that we are, it's up to the player to analyze the weakness of the enemy robot with their quirk mystery eye and protect the city and its citizens by remotely giving instructions to Deku, Bakugo, Todoroki, and Hatsume. Uh, so it sounds like we're kind of the cipher of this and we're giving instructions to folks who are in the field on how best to take these guys down. So that's a pretty neat concept. Yeah. Um, I don't see, I, I don't know how much it retails for, um, but it seems, seems pretty neat. There is an upgraded, I did uh, read this elsewhere, that there's an upgraded kit that you can buy that gives you some questions from like an entrance exam that where you can like win some pins or something. But uh, yeah, some people in the Discord seem pretty interested in in the concept of an escape room game. I've played several. There are some brands that I like, some brands that I don't. Um, just in general, that's not my favorite. That's not the flavor I want to sit down to because they do like it. This is why I'm not shocked if the 150 to 180 minute uh, playtime is is accurate because some of them do really take a long time. Yeah, especially if you're dumb like me. So. <laughs> But that's it for for news. Let's say we jump into the actual meat and taters of this here podcast and talk about episode 122 and 123. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so what, episode 122, I'm pretty sure that title was uh, Katsuki Bakugo Rising. It is, and this is the third Rising uh, episode. We've already had Momo Rising, or Yayorozu, I can't remember which one it was, but that was episode 35. 122 is Bakugo Rising, and one of the OVAs was All Might Rising. Uh, I wonder who else is going to get their Rising episode in the future. Uh, do you feel like this could just be one of those like cheap title escapes? Like, yeah, we don't know what to name this one. Just like, ah, throw a hero name on there, Rising. It'll be good. <laughs> well, there, I will say Rising is used less frequently in my hero than uh, Blanky Blank colon Origin, because there's a lot of Origin episodes. It's like... True. Oprah was handing out origin episodes like you get an episode and you get an episode <laughs> like origin has been used a lot more than rising. That's but fair. it did. It rang familiar enough that I was like, we've definitely seen rising something somewhere um, yeah. outside of the movie that was called Heroes Rising. Um, I guess it tracks with these characters kind of finding like um, finding their beat in the hero realm, if that makes sense, like actually doing that thing where they leap forward without thinking, because uh, I feel like that was kind of what Momo's stuff was about, too. So. Yeah, hers was about her really stepping into position of uh, leadership, leadership and and out of um, analysis paralysis or timidity or total lack of self confidence. So uh, in this this episode, I think leans more in in um, in the direction that you were discussing. But uh, we do we do have uh, we we pick back up obviously um, because these things are presented to us uh, chronologically. Did this one start right away? Crap. I feel like if it had, I would have made note of this. Because um, my notes just begin with, as I was saying, thanks for you, Q, for saying he's got a delete around so he can act without hesitation and logically. And he has flashes of airy running through his mind as he just straight freaking cuts his leg off, which, yeah. Uh, you know, I wondered, did he have the flash? Did he have the uh, images of airy as if to think like she could undo this? Um. And also, how sharp is that knife? Because, good Lord, like, it just right. cuts through his leg no problem. Yeah, so two or three things there. Yes, I'm pretty sure you're right. This is the episode that just starts off with Aizawa talking. Like, there's okay. no there's no beat. Because I remember thinking, like, oh, wow, finally an episode Adkins won't complain about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I but, forgot to not complain about it. I know. How crazy is that? Uh, but I had the same thought. When he cut his leg off, like, no hesitation. It was awesome. Like, the whole scene, it blew my mind. But that that has to be probably the sharpest blade of all time because there's a lot to cut through there. 
and it was like one swipe. Like there was no hacking. It was uh, it was insane. And Shigaraki even thinks it's cool. He he just says, "Man, you really cool, Eraser." Yeah, he's he's always so impressed with Aizawa. It's endearing. He's like, "You're so cool, Eraserhead," but yeah, you lost focus for just a second. Um, and so in that split second that Aizawa's quirk, uh, you know, disables or is disabled or is distracted, whatever he, uh, Shigaraki just blasts everyone away, uh, in that instant. And he leaps after Aizawa with Black Whip in pursuit. Um, I did have some issues with some of the animation in here. We talked about this in the discord a bit. 122, I think of the season six, mostly because you're comparing it to its neighbors, which all of, all of these episodes up to 122 have been extremely well animated. This one I felt was a little less so, especially because when uh, Shigaraki is leaping at Aizawa, he looks like a freaking Muppet, like somebody's got yeah. his hand up his butt. Um, and it's just weird. His mouth is too wide, um, like uh, laterally across his face. His jaw is too far from the top of his mouth. I would allow for that if they actually showed the appropriate kind of damage for um, for that uh, that smash that he took with his mouth earlier, but they don't really show that as well as they did in the manga. Um, so anyway, he looks like a Muppet when he's jumping, uh, and they show this awesome, uh, scene. This is really cool anime, uh, really well animated of him digging his fingers into Aizawa's face and you get this metal ass POV shot of that. And it's such a cool direction for that scene. I loved it. Is that how they did it in the manga? I, you know, I don't recall. And I feel like if I had, if it had been there, I might've noted it. I'll try to look it up while, um, quietly while we're continuing to look, um, speaking of, by the way, um, these uh, two episodes extend from page five of chapter 282 all the way through the end of chapter 288 with a single exception. And this exception is going to tick you off, Adam. This is, I mentioned this before we recorded that I was going to mention something about uh, the manga. Yeah. So at the beginning of 288, I am certain this is going to be a scene that we get later. But I want to talk to you about it so bad because I feel like it would fit really well as a teaser in these episodes. And it's not, I feel like it's not going to be teased that it's going to be revealed and then um, like satisfied too quickly, but there's a reveal. There's a moment at the beginning of 288 that I think that you're going to be pretty jazzed about when you finally do get to see it animated. Okay. I'm excited about it. So it's not happened yet, but it will happen. Like you're thinking soon. Yes. Um, looking at the manga, um, 282, there is a, there is a panel or two that could be construed as POV, but you don't get the raking of the fingers, um, through the field of vision like you do in the, in the anime. So the anime, that, that direction, uh, in the anime, I think, uh, is better. I think that it's more cinematic if that makes some sense. Yeah, no, that moment was like, (sighs) gruesome you know like just the idea of seeing someone's hand like get through your eyes that way and then seeing his eyes like actually almost scratched out it was it was pretty gnarly but Deku was able to stop him before he actually from what we can tell like at least completely damaged the eyes right because he has at least one eye that seems to be kind of slowly closing his other one though it looks like Shigaraki just completely scratched through uh, but Deku grabs him and kind of like pulls him back away from Aizawa and uh, we actually have Shigaraki, not Shigaraki, we actually have uh, Todoroki showing up and he like ices Shiggy down. So they're kind of like in a, for a split second, at least a bit of a stalemate, like Rocklock, I think is his name and uh, Manual. They're, they're, they've got Aizawa. They're trying to like assess the situation while Todoroki has got Shiggy on ice. 
And uh, I, you know, basically, like Deku is trying to also kind of keep Aizawa uh, in play. So, yeah, it's really cool. Um, so Todoroki freezes him up, and Midoriya uh, punches Shigi out of the ice. And in the anime, I meant to go back and rewatch uh, one twenty one. Um, because, you know, he was doing all those smashes. I think he was using his left hand. And I think that he's doing that because he had done some smashes with his right hand. It had been told by the doctors at one point, if you do this more, you might lose use of your arms. And that's the one that's all scarred up, his right one. Right. Because he's, re- he's right-handed. So in this, I think he was smashing with his left. And what's cool is I didn't notice it until he punched Todoroki out. So I meant to rewatch 121 to see if it was like this. But he's... He's got Black Whip kind of coiled around that left arm. And, and I wonder if that's intentionally being used as like a cast or or some means of um, diffusing some of that energy away from his arm. That's interesting. You would think that like if that was the case later on when he's just like wailing on Shiggy in the air, he would be doing the same thing. Like I know he's got Black Whip and he's using it to kind of control Shigaraki later. But if he used it like that when you're talking about it, why wouldn't he continue to do that later on? You know what I mean? Right. And it, like in the manga, I think he does is what I'm saying. And I meant to pay more attention to that, uh, that he's got that one arm. Now, Black Whip is obviously, uh, you know, protruding from him in, in several areas, you know, it comes out of him from multiple places, but it does look as I'm just kind of quickly scanning, uh, through the app. Like he keeps that, uh, one arm pretty well wrapped up with, with Black Whip. Um, but I do also think that he brings his right arm into play at some point too. Yeah, he definitely does later. So, um, yeah, it's just a freaking cool, uh, detail. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm on beginning of, uh, 284 now and he's still got his, his arm all wrapped up in black whip. So I wonder if that's why I I I assume that it is. I think too, though, like we're. I guess it wouldn't surprise me if Black Whip became a bit of a transformation for Deku. We kind of see that, I think, in 123. There's a scene where he, like, kind of goes after... Actually, I I think it's at the end of 122. It's when he kind of, like, shoots himself towards uh, Shigaraki or or All for One, and his head is sort of covered in Black Whip, like, from, like, his nose up. So it wouldn't surprise me if this Black Whip evolves into, like, a full-body transformation and almost kind of like Naruto in the Ninetales or something like that. Yeah, when he goes into like rage Deku mode, I love yeah. rage modes in anime. Like, I do. Dragon too. Ball's got them. Yeah, um, they so always play well. Always fun. They yeah. are. I agree. And I, like it just that feels like a natural progression here. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw something like that. But regardless, we we kind of go from that scene. We check back in with the evacuation team. We've got Sue, Ida, Chaco. Uh, Ida's kind of telling the the team like, "Hey, I can't reach anybody that is over with Endeavor and everybody. Like, there's no communication at all. It's total blackout." And Sue kind of explains, like, well, it could just be a quirk. Like, you could be kind of worrying for no reason. There's potential that there's something causing this. It's not necessarily because nobody's alive or anything like that. And, of course, Ochako's just absolutely wanting to go help. So she's wanting to go after them and try and figure out uh, what they can do. And we kind of get this cool, I'm going to call it a bit of a like, info dump scene, because there are a couple of people that have been rescued by the team that are watching the news on their phones. So, of course... The, the individual members are, you know, like, hey, like, I want to know what is being broadcasted out to the world right now, because I don't think they've had any external communication since they started evacuating these cities. So we, we see this kind of news scene where they're explaining basically that Gigantomachia is just absolutely wrecking all these cities. They're listing off all of the places that need to be evacuated as soon as they can. And I think here in a, a moment, they kind of explain that 
the radius that they have to evacuate is like seven kilometers around his path because he's just destroying everything. It's such a wide area. It's just totally nuts. Yeah, he is. It's it's fun. You know, they they talk about everything in kilometers. So I had to do like uh, conversions and stuff. But uh, I love in this scene that uh, Ida calls. <laughs> he says the last I heard Todoroki saying was that he would bring back the house arrest boys, um, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was awesome. Uh, we do check in with some folks at Gunga too. And there's a scene of Sero fretting over Tokoyami, uh, Momo being um, almost like second guessing what she's done so far uh, and being joined uh, almost, uh, almost as like a chorus by other, uh, other members of one A oh, yeah. and one B. So she says, we prepared meticulously. Kirishima succeeded, but the reason that we're here in Unheard is because we weren't even recognized as the enemy because we see that Majestic tells her what she did was right. And then he sends them off on rings. Um, and there there's growing concern that the anesthetics didn't work. And I think that it's Mineta who says, were our decisions correct? And then there's a beat and he says, were the heroes' decisions yeah. correct? Mineta's or weren't like, we checkmated from the start? And I was like, dang. Yeah. Like he he has uh become aware all of a sudden. And it's it's sad. Like I feel bad for Mineta because I think I don't want to call him like a weak member of 1A or 1B, but I definitely don't think we think of him as like a heavy hitter, right? Like he's mm-hmm. a kind of a support character. So, you know, he's looking up to these other people that are always leading the charge. And like for the most part, they've pulled through some pretty crazy stuff. So it makes sense that he is in a position to think that they're also going to pull through this one. And it's the first time that we're really seeing them fail at such a large scale. And he's just totally falling apart, man. And in addition to them. S- to the students seeing the heroes fail on this incredible scale, it's it feels as if there is no plan B because they've committed everyone to this. Right. Um, yeah, like it was only ever plan A. There's not a yeah. plan B because there shouldn't have had to have been. Like there didn't need to be a plan B. They didn't know about this. Uh, and it's kind of nuts too because like just talking about that's perfect segue to Dr. Garaki who is... Uh, you know, realizing that Gigantomachia is coming and he is so giddy about it. He's just yeah, like, he look, loves it. yeah, he's like, y'all thought that everything was perfect. Like your raid on the hospital. Yes, it was a success, but all it took was one thing for our side and the whole tables have been turned. Shigaraki waking up just ruined everything for you. And that was just one thing, uh, which I mean, that's poor President Mike is like off to the side hearing this. And, and you can see him just grimacing, thinking about like the whole situation, everything that's gone down. I mean, this really is just not what they were expecting. And it's kind of kind of incredible to see that fallout in a way. Yeah, we get whisked back to the battlefield. Todoroki cools his dad off. You you remember that scene um, from Vigilantes where he has a bunch of his team members just hose him down with extinguishers? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was pretty cool. Dude, uh, what Manuel... an awesome like dad son moment too. This is something yeah. that like he Endeavor had to have been dreaming of this whenever they were doing the USJ stuff, uh, or not the USJ, but the uh, uh, the tournament. Like all all he wanted was to be proud of his son and his son doing things with him like this, like being heroes together. And here they are on the battlefield doing it. Like, I don't know. It's just such a 180. It was such a cool moment. I think he sees Todoroki as Endeavor 2.0. All this firepower, but also the ability to kind of cool himself down instead of having to be reliant upon fire extinguishers from cronies or, uh, you know, being uh, exhausted because of overheating. Um, 
But Manuel Rocklock and Midoriya are all tending to Aizawa using the binding cloth as a tourniquet, which is an idea that you had in our last episode. Or they're trying and, to. They can't figure out what end is which. <laughs> yeah, they can't find the end. I love that Rocklock looks at Deku and, he, and initially he tells him to run away. And Deku's face in that scene in both the anime and the manga is just it's going hard. Like he yeah. is, he is pissed and Shiggy goes to use decay. But just as he does, his body, his body like literally splits across his chest. Um, and he begins ex- explaining to everybody that um, he says, I couldn't use my quirks earlier. So there was a burden on my body as I moved past my physical limit, but super recovery is working now. So right now I shouldn't have any limits. Um, and then suddenly he starts asking for a calendar. He's like, uh, what <laughs> yeah. day is it, guys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, because he's realized, like, he probably wasn't under, like, in that coma state long enough to for everything to settle in. Like, I think he was very aware of the fact that he had a specific amount of time he needed for everything to bond 100%. And this is the first time he's had a second to think, like, oh, crap, maybe it hasn't been that time. Yeah, and Deku is saying his body is breaking, so... Gran Torino said that all for one's quirks were plain, transplanted into Shigaraki, so the vessel for that great amount of power, his body just isn't strong enough. Um, drawing, of course, parallels to his own experience with uh, One for All. And so Shigaraki is concerned that super recovery is gone, um, but he, he just says it's all over once I touch this. And then there's this plume of debris, and as it clears, Shiggy is caught once again in Black Whip, but this time... He, along with Midoriya and all everybody else on this scene, are suspended in midair. One might say that they're floating. Yeah, which turns out to be the name of the new quirk that he apparently has been studying, which is the seventh wielder's quirk, Nana Shimura. So really kind of cool to see the bookend on this one. Like, I don't think we were aware of her quirk yet, were we? Uh, I think it had been mentioned before. It does get a cool quirk graphic here, too, in the anime, which I thought was dope. Um, and then he says, I'll stop you here with everything I have. I won't let you escape from here. And he starts to waver in his control of Black Whip just because he's overtaxing it a bit. Yeah. Um, with trying to keep everybody up in the air in addition to keeping float maintained. It was a really smart move last second, though. Like, hey, let's get everyone up in the air so he can't just disintegrate everything around him. I'm really kind of happy to see that they didn't just let him use Black Whip as that medium. Because for a second, I thought that was going to be like, a oh, gotcha, Deku. Now I can hit everybody all at once, you know, but Mm. glad to see that didn't happen because I was a little worried about that. Uh, But yeah, Deku basically has to set everybody down like so that way he can just take on Shigaraki one on one. And we get some really cool moments here because Endeavor is standing there like watching this student of his fighting off this massive villain, probably the most powerful villain endeavors ever seen and and he's thinking to himself like i should be the one up there like why i'm number one why am i not up there and we kind of see that same thing reflected in bakugo like bakugo is is literally calling out like dude you should be further away from this guy than literally anyone else here like what the hell are you doing and and deku cuts him off and it's like bro who else can do this? Who else is going to fight him in the air right now? Nobody. Shut up and stay on the ground. Like, I mean, he kind of puts Bakugo in his place and it was it was really a great scene because I felt like Bakugo kind of had that moment of like, oh, wow, like, OK, Deku stepped up like he's surpassed me. This is the, the moment, that shining moment. He did surpass me. I can't do this. And we get the lamest line of the entire episode where Shigaraki says, if you like this guy so much, why don't you marry it? No, that's not what he says, but it felt like that. <laughs> it kind of did. yeah. Because he was like, if you like this guy so much, I'll send you to heaven once I steal one for all. And I was just like, that was such a lame line. And it it's was. not really any better um, in the in the manga. But 
uh, along, he says, along with those old guys down there, which just incites Deku's rage. So he just starts punching Shiggy around like he's the ball at the end of the string on one of those paddle things. So yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Or like one of those uh, punching balloons. Yeah. And we get a quick flashback for Bakugo, um, where Midori is asking Bakugo, Sue, Ochako, and Saro for help with his new quirks. Um, and he's got a new hairdo. Yeah. So like he's got this like fro for some reason and they're like hey what's with the hair and he's like oh it's because Bakugo's blowing me up like because he keeps you know defeating me in these training exercises and then they just leave it at that <laughs> like it's totally yeah. normal I it in the manga one of his uh speech bubbles is even fro shaped <laughs> that's I is there an inside joke there that I'm missing is it just this random Horikoshi thing or uh, yeah I think it was just a uh, like an aesthetic decision. I mean, it's basically explained that it's because Bakugo kept winning at the trying to catch Bakugo with Blackwick game. And Ochako even points out there's nothing in the rules about explosions, but Bakugo's like, yeah, he said he wanted it to be as realistic as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, well, while they're like kind of uh, training and exercising, uh, we have All Might off to the side uh, with with Bakugo and they're they're kind of catching up uh I feel like this is like maybe the first time that they've had a moment to themselves if that makes sense since they had the sit down where basically him and Deku explained to Bakugo what was happening with his powers and uh All Might is he's he's concerned for for Midoriya but so is Bakugo and Bakugo kind of mentions like like hey you're not going to be able to continue hiding what's happening here like he's got way more than one quirk now like it was one thing when he kind of had two but now he's got three like how are we going to get past this you can't keep this a secret and all might explains that he's going to try to train Midoriya as much as he can with a very small amount of people so that way the secret is kept close as much as possible and and it's kind of interesting cuz he he brings up this whole thing about how he wants Deku to be trained enough so he doesn't lose control of his powers. And because he's working with floating right now, all I could think of was like him turning it on and just never coming back down. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what, what is, what does losing control of that quirk look like? You know, it looks uh, like the softball that Ochako threw. That's what it is. That's exactly. What it looks like. Yeah. Just that, that's how the season ends. <laughs> just him floating away. Oh man. But, but it's, it's great too, because uh, he, he kind of, goes from there and and all might has this interesting thing he talks about how you know midoriya is got all of this power and effectively it's not only evil people that may want that power and so like because of that he needs to be very aware of how his secret affects everyone that's learning it and, and it's something i hadn't really considered you know the idea that all for one could like kidnap these kids that may know more about what's going on and just torture them or, or put mm. them through hell to get to Deku. And I don't know that Deku's really realized that either. Yeah. There's they, also they're, a lot they're... more here too. There's like a whole thing to unpack. I feel like with this conversation. Yeah, there really is a lot. Um, they do get into uh, all might's, notes on the previous users and Baka goes like the description of the fourth user didn't seem complete, even though the fifth through the seventh had details of their deaths recorded. And in the anime and in the manga, it looks less like it was incomplete and more like All Might scratched it out as if he had second thoughts on providing that information. Well, and that's the way they discuss it, too, as if like, because All Might's like, yeah, I couldn't assert that knowledge as if I couldn't prove it to be true. So I didn't want to pass it on as if it was. Yeah. Um, and, and that creates some mystery that I'm I'm really interested in. There's still so much about the vestiges and. Uh, Deku's interaction with them and his access to their powers um, that is very tantalizing and uh, 
I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm like glued to the manga panels or the screen when this stuff comes up. Me too. I think it's fascinating. It's a very interesting concept. I think that it gets uh, explained even uh, in in an, in some interesting ways in 123. Oh, I know. I can't um, wait to talk about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, All Might's answers is I can't assert what I don't know because I'm concerned about the young man, about Deku, like you are. And Bakugo's explanation is, or retort to that, is at the root of it, he doesn't think about himself. So I'm sure he's always been that way, and he's still like this now when he can do more. That's always felt weird to me. And this is just him being super vulnerable because he says, and it made me want to stay away from him. because, yeah. uh, But I couldn't understand my own weakness, so I put those thoughts aside. And he says that I bullied him. So he says the quiet part out loud. Yeah. This was a good moment for him. Like, he's having some realizations here that, like, he was not in the right and that like what he did wasn't okay. And he's trying to figure out how to process that. And, and all might really steps up here and he helps him. And he says like, Hey, look, like that's why you're here. You're trying to atone. You know, you're trying to make up for those, those past mistakes by helping him get through these big hurdles because he needs people, whether he knows it or not. And you're the kind of person he needs, like someone that will really force him to step up to this plate and put him through the ringer when he needs, when he needs it, like someone to really, you know, kind of be tough on him if that makes sense and and i think it's interesting because because all might's like he's never going to recognize that though like deku doesn't see it that way like you, know, you got to stop thinking about it that way because as far as he's concerned he forgave you like you guys are even and so it's kind of like leveling that playing field for bakugo and kind of i think helping him understand that like things are different now yeah, I like, too, that he says, and I think this was worded a little bit better in the manga, so I'm going to read it from there. But he says, when I said you and Endeavor are a lot alike, I was talking about that change. He says he couldn't, Endeavor couldn't take a good look at himself either until I wound up like this. Yeah. And so he's putting All Might in, in uh, he's putting himself in Deku um, as kind of the, the motivations or the hinges for change in these two characters' lives, Endeavor in the case of All Might and now Bakugo in the case of Deku. And I really liked that. Um, I really liked that recognition, I guess, in, in All Might, that uh, analysis. I mean, it, again, Bakugo is extremely vulnerable right now. This is Bakugo, as I would argue, we've maybe only seen him one or two other times um, being like, you know, with with Midoriya the first time that they threw hands that what, you know, on the training grounds, not as the villains and heroes exercise. And sure. um, with all might, maybe one other time with the three of them together, like this is him exposed. Um, and it's, it's really, I feel like this is really well done. Um, I agree. I agree. And, and like all might really wraps this up by kind of explaining to him like, Hey, look, you'll have more chances. Like you can talk to him if you have to. You know, yeah. don't don't feel like you have to keep this to yourself. Um, and so we transition back over to the fight where Bakugo is watching Midoriya, who has stepped up to the plate and is just taking on Shigaraki. And man, I mean, Midoriya is going at it. 100% smashes left and right. He is doing everything he can to just continuously keep damaging Shigaraki. And Shigaraki admits, like, he is not healing nearly as quickly as he was. And it is absolutely wrecking him. But... Bakugo can kind of see that like hey this is also hurting Midoriya really badly this is not going to to go the way he thinks it is he's wearing himself out way faster than someone with a regeneration quirk even if that person is also slowing down they're not slowing down enough and so uh, he, he's got to come up with something he's got to tr try to figure out how to help in this situation yeah I will say too again going back to kind of my frustrations with the animation the this scene where Deku is just straight smashing uh 
Shigaraki, it's it's drawn well. It, it it feels concussive, explosive in the in the manga. I didn't get that feeling from most of the smashes in the anime. There was one uh, that was really good, that was really well animated, and then I think the Texas Smash also got um, some appropriate animation where there was like there was an effect that wasn't just Shigaraki bouncing away from Midoriya. Um, that that really that felt that felt weak. I agree. Um, maybe the mo- the most frustrating part of the animation of this episode. And I think we've had that with the past couple of episodes. Like his smashes don't seem to be translating super well. And in this this particular scene, it didn't quite get to DBZ levels where it's literally just like white flashes on the screen. Uh, but it was getting closer. I mean, they, it definitely seemed like there was a lot less power behind those punches, and it could just be fatigue. But I got the feeling it wasn't uh, because he was screaming at like a hundred percent every time, and it felt like we've seen those animated way. Be- I mean, thinking back to the fight with uh, uh, Muscular, like that's the kind of thing I was kind of expecting every hit in this scene. Yeah, and we don't get that in the anime. In the anime, the manga, I think those panels are fairly well drawn. There, that's good. To hear. There's uh, there's a lot more. Uh, like dynamism and like kinetic energy evident inside of those panels than yeah. we see in the anime. But uh, Bakugo is kind of seeing all this, and he's explained that if it's if it's a fight between these two guys, and like eventually Deku's going to lose because he's up against somebody who uh, has the ability to uh, regenerate. So he's like, if it if it's just going to be them chipping away at each other to see who will last longer, he won't outlast somebody with regeneration. In a few minutes, he says his power will be stolen and he'll be dust. Uh, so he calls Todoroki over uh, to rocket the two of them and Endeavor up to Shiggy for one final attack. Endeavor's like, you want me to use my max firepower to finish him in one shot? You got it. Uh, and Rock Lock at this point yells, in the anime at least, that they're just kids. And I just have in my uh, notes initially, because I was typing this as fast as I could, I just have STFU, Rock Lock. Uh, <laughs> but then he says, I recognize Deku as hero a long time ago. And he kind of is like, all right, I get it. You know, I've, I've got to let this happen as, as this is just un, un, unfurling the only way that it could. Man, so yeah. Like, goes, he's seen the next generation of heroes before his eyes like if anything he i think he had that moment of like oh i'm in the moment <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i like in the manga he says why am i doubting him considering i already admitted that deku is one hell of a hero i like i like this apart a lot like i don't know there was something about that scene that really got to me because it was just like that recognition that those kids needed you know yeah yeah some validation and and so uh bakugo says that we'll aim for when black i think it was bakugo could have been endeavor um saying we'll aim for when black whip is all the way stretched out and then you two get out of here this is endeavor when i uh when i pop my ult so bakugo is reflecting on the uh on the comments and and uh one for all originally came from him right all for one meaning and he says even if it's a cursed power one for all is, and then there's these flashes of All Might um, being triumphant, um, being in his prime as as little kid Midori and Bakugo are watching him. Uh, and I love that there's the, also included in that the scene where Deku is saying, my Deku isn't always going to mean useless Kachan. It means yeah. you can do it. And then, and this, I wanted to get, if you caught up on this or not, um, Bakugo effortlessly hurls Endeavor at Shigaraki. No blasts to propel him, which would have made fine sense. But he just like throws him like like somebody uh throwing a soccer ball in bounds, just two hands over his head. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what? And I'm like, physics don't work that way, I'm pretty sure, right? 
I mean, either that's true or Bakugo is way physically stronger than I thought he was. He um, has to be because Endeavor is like easily twice his not size. A small that man. is a huge dude. Yeah, when I saw that, I had that same thought. I was like, but how did he do that? <laughs> and then Endeavor pops plus ultra pro- uh, prominence burn, which is better animated than it is in the manga. Not to knock the manga's uh, art, but man, in the, in the anime, it is violent. Yeah. The artist was like, eh, I don't need to worry about those 100% smashes. This prominence burn, though? Yeah. yeah we'll set you We're up. We're going to animate Endeavor. the hell out of this burn. <laughs> yeah. um, this is brutal, have... too, because like Shigaraki's just getting roasted. Absolutely roasted. Like You can see the, the art of the body just turning black and, and ashy. It's crazy. Yeah, and then we have this voice saying, lend me your body, Tomura. And then we get a scene in the uh, in the anime where it's like the TV has been turned off. I thought that was so cool. Uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, and then we see Endeavor pierced with, it looks like black and red lines of some kind. It it's kind of uh, like Black Whip, but more stable looking. It was, uh, oh, the, the guy from the summer camp with the teeth. Oh, yeah, Moonfish. Moonfish. It was Moonfish's quirk, I thought. That looked like his like barbs that, that would come out of his, his uh, teeth, but it was just coming out of all over the place, so I assumed it was like an upgraded version of Moonfish's quirk. Hmm. Yeah, I, I could be wrong on like that. was like solid gray, but I, I, I see the uh, visual similarities yeah. between the two now that you say that. Yeah, because I didn't catch it on first watch, but on second watch, because all of a sudden, like Endeavor kind of falls from Shigaraki, like the prominence burn ends, and I didn't catch it. That's what happened. But yeah, Shigaraki's body, because at this point, it's all for one, basically taking over, effectively just stabs Endeavor. And then he turns around and points a finger at Deku, and those same like tendrils reach out and start to stab him and it's i was gonna ask you about this so we see like that rainbow flash of of one for all right like the vestiges or something i mean we see rainbow flashes but it ain't one for all i had i took issue with this too i thought it was a weird i thought it was really weird because i couldn't tell like we get this scene of bakugo dodging in front of deku and taking that hit and and him explaining that he didn't move on his own that like he just did it and and it being kind of this moment of him saving deku and then we see him kind of just like fall but but i couldn't tell like were they insinuating that one for all like encouraged Bakugo to do that like I, I felt weird like what was the what was up with that I don't know I, I thought that it was strange his blasts have never been that colored even when he had one for all there was a which isn't canon so right right um there was a cynical side of me that I was sure that somebody on Twitter was going to be like, see, Baku Deku Cannon, because he blasted after him with rainbows. I don't remember seeing that, but I wouldn't have been shocked if I did. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know why it was colored rainbow. I have no theories. Um, Part of me wondered if, like, some older vestige of the power just, like, pulled Bakugo in front of them. (laughs) Like, it wasn't really his choice. It was just some old quirk, maybe the fourth user or something. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I do like that Shigaraki, as he's uh, throwing these lines at Deku, looks like a redead from Ocarina of Time. I mean, he's yeah. just a husk of a of a human being. Uh, and in the anime, the flashbacks of um, Bakugo bullying Midoriya are him in class, caught in the sludge monster, their, their first battle against one another, Kid Midoriya asking if he's all right and if he can stand with an outstretched hand. But a gauntleted hand takes young Midoriya's hand. And I really like that. Yeah. That is not depicted in the uh, in the manga that I could tell. Um, but that was a really cool touch. And then this is where we get the title, Katsuki ba- uh, Bakugo Rising. And so I thought that that was really cool. But I had a question for you um, as we tie up 122. 
Was Shigaraki just straight up trying to kill Deku here? Doesn't that seem counterproductive, maybe? I don't think he was trying to kill him. I think he was trying to stab into him so he could get close or, or pull him towards him or something to just get the power and get out. I, I don't think there was attempt to murder. Because otherwise it would have, like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get that perception at all. Remind me, when, when All for One was taking all of the quirks in the underground uh, fighting arc in Vigilantes, he had to take the quirks. I mean, does he have to take them from live people? I don't think we ever saw that in Vigilantes, did we? I don't like. I don't remember us seeing him a, a, ever use his quirk. I think this is sort of like this next episode is the first time we're really seeing it in use, unless I'm wrong. It was like, um, it was during the where like it was Rapa versus the Ripper. Yeah, I mean, and, I remember that, uh, but I remember them being like unconscious and laid out like in a medical facility. No, no, no. I mean, there was a scene kind of at the end of that where All for One was like reaching his hand through Kurogiri portals, if I remember right. And like, wasn't he taking a bunch of quirks then? I don't I'm That vaguely seems familiar to me, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. No, that does seem familiar, but I don't remember if he was taking quirks or not. But it, I also kind of got the indication when he's talking about his quirk in this next uh, chapter or, or maybe this he next was episode. triggering quirks. That, I see, I thought, anyway. yeah, I don't know. I, f- I feel like there's a limit to how many quirks he can store. So I don't know that he could have just been taking quirks like that. Hmm. I don't know. I don't remember. It's been a Man, long time. Man, if only we could remember things. I know. It's like <laughs> if we recorded these or something, you go back and listen. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, uh, I think we could really just hop right into the next episode, which is the one, which is the ones within us. And we literally pick right up where we left off. I think this was another episode where there's, Maybe the first minute was recap, but it immediately pretty much picks up with Bakugo getting stabbed, saying to Deku, basically, hey, don't try to win by yourself, and then just plunging to the ground. Uh, Todoroki grabs him like at the last second and continues to kind of fall down, and all for one turns to Deku and says, hey, look, like today during the fights, a lot of unnecessary blood was shed, and this just sends Deku like off the deep end he's so mad he's thinking about Gran Torino getting hurt Aizawa getting hurt all these other deaths that he's seen and he hears the black wielder and he hears the wielder of the black whip talking about like not fueling this power with anger and uh it it being very very important to control it with your heart and kind of not your I guess anger emotions like I don't Mm -hmm. know I feel like Heart, being angry is part of the heart, but whatever. Whatever, Black Whip wielder. <laughs> uh, but regardless, uh, All for One goes after Deku uh, with those blades again. Deku just like responds with this insane fighting. Like it reminded me of like Berserker mode or something in D anD. d Like he's just biting through these blades, like smashing through them. It looks totally crazy. Yeah, it's really well animated. There's much more to his progression towards Shigaraki through those red and black tendrils than there is uh, in the manga. So it looks great. And this is um, actually also... where I was telling you, like, I think that Black Whip is like enveloping his whole face or like upper face. Yeah. Like it looks like this is becoming like a thing. Yeah. And there's a really cool scene where like the, there's a rift in all for, or in Shiggy's face where yeah. all for one kind of is peeking through. Oh, it was so some cool. of this stuff looks so very much body horror-y. Yeah, it does. Um, and I'm curious to, there, there's a little bit more in 123 when like all for one is straight up like projecting from the side of Shigaraki's right, um, like right shoulder. I was like, golly, this is some like crazy body horror stuff. But uh, Shiggy does reach out and puts a hand on Deku and he says he's finally taken one for all. And there's this red mist leaking uh, kind of away from Midoriya. But then all of a sudden we're inside of one for all. 
uh, in the vestige realm, if that's what we want to call it. And what's interesting is, and I don't, I, I assume this is intentional, but I feel like every time we see Midoriya in that realm, we see more of him uncovered. Yeah, I um, assumed it's like his progression with the quirk. Yeah, and so in this one, we see more of him. Like, you can see a little bit of his torso. And previously, we've seen him where he's just, like, ate up from, like, the end of his nose down. Ooh, um, ooh actually, what if it's the first wielder, like, uh, copying the user? Because I think that's a thing that, like they've kind of talked about at the end of this episode where they, we'll get into it more here in a bit, but, but it sounds like his quirk allows him to meddle with the individual memory stored inside the quirks. So it could be him taking a copy of Deku and like processing. And that's what we're seeing is just the more time he's with the quirk, the more time the first wielder has to copy that essence or memory of Mm -hmm. Deku into one for all. Uh, There was a, a scene, I think it was in like season one or two where all might was vaguely there. And someone, I think it was, um, uh oh gosh the nurse lady i can never remember her name she says something to him like oh so he you're starting to form there almost like that processing was getting finished and wrapped up and we should expect to see him soon too so uh he should have been in there a long time if that if if what you described is true because he would he would have had one for all for a long for a long time that's true yeah i don't know that's it's regardless like what you said earlier in the episode is totally true for me here too like when this stuff is on the screen i'm glued to it like i'm we from the get go have been pretty interested in this quirk though and how it works. So yeah, Shigaraki is telling all for one not to come out. He's also in this realm uh, with Midoriya a short distance from him. And all for one is, is like sticking out protruding from his right side. And all for one is he's just, he's so charismatic. I know. um, Yeah. In the way that he speaks. And so he's just like, well, if I hadn't lent you my power, you wouldn't have, or you would have turned to ash and died or died from the fall. And but Shigaraki, to his credit, is he's very strong willed at this point, Um, even if I was wondering if some of this hasn't been a little bit programmed. But uh, I think I gave up on that particular thought. But he says, I said, shut up, master. This is my will and my dream as if he's been like all for one has conditioned him to think that even though that might not be what Tamura Shigaraki actually wants. Um, But anyway, I I don't I haven't thought about that enough. But Deku tries to move. Go ahead. I, I don't know that I'm taking it that way. I think when he's saying those things, I think he's saying like, hey, this is my body. Like, I'm going to do what I want with what you gave me. Like, this isn't yours anymore. Well, he, yeah, but he keeps using the phrase like, this is my dream. Um, this, is this is my, my will. will. Yeah. Um, and there's there's definitely a strong argument for nurture there. Agreed. Um, from All for One to Shigaraki, which is part of kind of the tragedy surrounding him. Um, but anyway, Deku tries to move towards Shiggy, but his feet seem to be rooted to the ground. Uh, Nana Shimura is there and explains that he can't move in this realm yet, even though Shiggy seems to be fairly well able to move, which is weird. Well, there's a weird comment from All for One later where he's like, look at this guy. Like, he's so worthless. He's letting his anger control him, which is why he can't move here. I thought that was weird. There's Mm. a lot, there's a lot of commentary in this episode around him using his anger uh, instead of, I guess, whatever else it could be, uh, which is just, it's interesting that that's come up like three or four times. It feels like they're really trying to hint towards the idea that like Deku's going to shape this power one way or another based off of how he uses it or how he fuels it, I guess. Yeah, we get a very quick scene of Osaka in Syro City where Gigantomaki is just booking it casually through you know leaving this giant path of destruction and he smells two masters now yeah again his olfactory senses are insane they uh, really are. then we get 
snap back to Jakku, um, where the heroes decide to leave the evacuation to the police, which you can hear behind me probably. Yeah, I can <laughs> I wonder actually. What's up in bacon? <laughs> uh, uh, Gigantomachia hopefully has not found his way to my hometown. Uh, but they move to intercept Gigantomachia. Uh, they do send Najire and two other floating surfboard dudes to inform Endeavor, which I was like, how many magisters do you need to deliver that message? But whatever. Um, Ida runs off too, declaring that whatever punishment comes for his disobedience, he's like, I've got classmates who haven't returned yet. And he, <laughs> and he says, two of them are good friends. <laughs> yeah, <that was laughs> leaving funny. like, uh, <laughs> leaving Bakugo out of the conversation. Uh, <laughs> Because he's he's specifically referring to Todoroki and Deku, who kind of um, put him back on the right path uh, when they intervened alongside him against Stain. Um, but I do, I just have in my notes, that's our class prez. Man, he's just like, hey, two of my classmates aren't here. I'm going to go get them. Yeah, like, Love that. he's doing roll call right now. Then we see uh, a brief, uh, before we get back to the Vestige Realm, uh, Ochako's reflecting on how since the attack on the USJ, it's like the shadows are getting longer as the sun goes down because nothing seems to have improved. Uh, but then we get back into the Vestige Realm, and there there is a lot of conversation that takes place in here. <laughs> so hopefully yeah. we move through it kind of quickly because it's all extremely important stuff, it feels. Yeah, this was uh, like... Gosh, they were just like, hey, how much info can we put in 20 minutes? <laughs> because yeah, this, good Lord. it was a lot. Uh, I had to pause so much to take notes. But basically, we, we start this off with uh, Nana dressing all for one. And she's like, you know, I didn't expect to see you again. Like, this is definitely not at all uh, in her purview. And he mm. actually, like, knocks uh, Tamora on the head. And it is like, hey, look at this over here. It's your incompetent grandmother, Nana Shimura. Like, I mean, just giving him, like, this sales pitch on how she's the worst person ever. And uh, he asks if Shigaraki knows why she's here he of course doesn't give him a moment to answer he goes into it and says it's transference which basically he equates to like organ transplant receivers which i didn't know this was a thing i don't know that it is a thing but i vaguely feel like you had mentioned something about this before or someone had uh the idea being that like if someone receives an organ from somebody else they can oftentimes take on like personality traits of them uh or even have like new cravings and things like that and the quirks themselves are basically just like that the quirks take this like ability to basically print the memory or consciousness of the wielder into themselves and so we have this moment in between where shigaraki is like remembering who she is remembering that picture of her and his father and kind of, you know, that promise that he made with his sister initially. Uh, and Nana stops this and addresses Shigaraki. And he just immediately is like, no, like, I hate you, too. And just, yeah. gosh, man, it's so, so brutal. Um, and, and this gets wild because he starts to attack. And it's like ethereal attacks. Like, it's not like he's using any of his quirks that I can tell. And then she's able to block it with, like, another ethereal barrier. So. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I translated this as him. Uh, it seemed as if uh, he was sucking the realm towards himself as if to steal or to possess one for all. And the language seems to back that up, at least from um, all for one. I didn't think he was like, uh, but had I, his hand up or anything. But yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, it's just, I don't, uh, does he not have his hand up? He well, because he, he holds on to uh, All yeah. For One here to try and use That's Destroy true. On Him, which I thought was great because uh, All For One's going on this like monologue oh, about yeah, hate. yeah, you hate me too. Yeah, and he's just yeah. like, ah, <laughs> you hate me too. That's right. Like He's I do so like cheerful. Too, 
I like, too, that All for One admits that he used to have strange dreams about the original owners of quirks while he had those quirks within him. But yeah. when he got rid of them, then those vestiges disappeared. I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, and then he says, my brother could also directly interfere with quirks. So when the power to pass on quirks mixed with the power stocking quirk, then it turned into this sleeper train moving consciousness of, consciousnesses from era to era. Um, so then uh, that's when he says, I hate you, Grandma. Which, you know, don't say that to your grandmother. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, you listeners, I guess Shigaraki has his reasons, perhaps. But uh, he starts to affect the realm with his hatred. Uh, and one for all can only move by the will of its owner as a rule. Uh, all for one is explaining. But your anger is starting to encroach upon it. And that's when he starts to try to maybe dust all for one as well. Um, but then the first user shows up. All for one says, my brother is as stubborn as, an I, as, as, stubborn as I am. And asks, is that boy next, brother? Um, and he says, it's not your fault for surrendering to me, which I guess goes back to, or, or he says, it's your fault for not surrendering to me, which goes back. He had made a comment earlier when he was experiencing the vestige dreams that he was the one to hold a grudge. Um, but he says, we aren't going over there because we've chosen to be inside this boy. And I just have my notes phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's not that kind of anime. Um, but Tamura feels repelled. All for one forces more of himself out of Shiggy's side. And this is where he says, with our powers combined, we can steal it. There are just a few dead people who lost to me. You said you've chosen, little brother. Stop acting tough. You know, don't you? I was watching through, t uh, through Tomura. Even though he's got such a wonderful quirk, he can't protect his friends or his teachers. He needs to be protected. And on top of that, he's talking about Midori, of course. He's allowing his body to succumb to anger just as his master did. And as a result, he can't even move right now. It was power. It was a power to uh, fall into the hands of it's it was a what 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 do my notes say it was a shame for this power to fall into the hands of someone so useless probably yeah that's exactly um what and i would imagine that in the japanese i wonder if he used the term deku there um for useless because we know that that's one of the possible translations Ooh, i would be yeah, that's interesting. a little surprised if he hadn't i have the word deku in my notes but i didn't i didn't catch it in the japanese i'm curious do you think he's talking about all might when he says that you know he's allowing his body to succumb to anger what, like, has he said his master? Is he talk? Is all for one talking about his master or Deku's master, who would be All Might? I just I wasn't sure who he's referencing here and in, in, in what context. Like, what is the what is the implication of that statement? Does that make sense? Yeah, I. This is what I, I was referencing earlier. Too. Like, like the way he says this makes me feel like maybe that's why All Might's not one of the vestiges in there. I don't know. It was just. A lot around the whole, hey, you're doing things with anger when you shouldn't be. It feels like a Jedi something or other. <laughs> well, the only um, the the only time that we have the 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 that mention of anger was from uh, Banjo Daigoro Banjo, I think the, yeah. the original user or possessor of of uh, the Black Whip, and he, he told Deku that one forever ago too. Yeah, and all for yeah, it was like a recollection when we saw it in yeah. this episode. And all for one would have had exposure to Black Whip, so maybe what he's seeing is reminiscent of what he saw anger wise in Banjo, or it could have been the only other references it could have been if it did apply to All Might would have been um either the incident that where he smashed All for One's face into nothing, um, or Camino Ward. I don't know where else yeah. That he he could be making those connections. So I mean the the banjo connection makes a little bit more sense to me, especially because of the 
the referent that we already had in this episode. That makes sense. I hadn't considered it being banjo. That that's why I'm asking you these things, man. You bring a lot to the table. Thank you. I try. Um, we get we uh, get some dialogue from the first user who says it wasn't a mistake. Uh, he says you only use others so you can understand what he's thinking when he sheds blood, getting angry for others. Able to work as hard as he must for the sake of others. A boy so obsessed with saving that he deviated from the norm. We will stay with him. And then we get this cool scene where the eight lights of one for all kind of converge. Um, and and we snap back to the, the actual real life, the IRL, I guess. And Deku realizes that his quirk wasn't stolen. Um, and all for one is kind of voicing over to Shigaraki. He's like the quirk transfer, meaning his transfer of all for one or the copy or the, the original of it to him right uh wasn't complete so he says I, I couldn't expend enough power to steal it so you don't lose consciousness your new body needs to be completed so withdraw for now and regain your strength and then this is when deku passes out just praying that shigaraki doesn't do anything else so i guess this is the answer to the question of where the hell does this go from here it's um, all for one tells shigaraki to to bail out i guess yeah i don't know i never expected this like it's just straight up a stalemate basically i that I don't know. That wasn't even in my possibilities here. I, like to me, this had to have been one or the other. So I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about this. I guess it gives us more time. Yeah, like we said, we knew going into this that there were, you know, dozens of other chapters in the manga. So we knew that this story did extend. But it, you don't get that sense if you're watching this anime. Yeah. Not aware of the progression of the manga, you would feel like this is it. And with that in mind, there's a part of this like double KO kind of thing here that feels a little anticlimactic. Um, or at the very least, it feels like it should have been absolutely climactic. Um, and then that on the other side of this should be nothing but denouement, but that's not what we get. And I'm not saying I'm disappointed in that. I'm just pointing out, uh, an oddity, you know, this isn't the, this isn't what I was expecting and neither of us could figure out a way that, um, the story would progress from here or allow for <laughs> but this yeah. is it <laughs> yeah i don't know i think i think i don't want to man i really don't want this to be like the climax i don't want this to be the plateau you know i'm hoping that maybe with gigantomachia showing up there's going to be like a bit of an escape or something and that that will kind of start the denouement as you said earlier into maybe the second half of the season but regardless uh back at hq they are basically confirming like all of these pieces of information, trying to figure out what's happening at the various locations. Uh, they they have said like, hey, Garaki has been arrested, but they're not entirely sure where Gigantomachia is or exactly where he's heading. And then we kind of get this big update like, hey, he is 10 minutes away from the, the ground zero, really, where Shigaraki and Endeavor and everybody's fighting. So he's, you know, basically literally just wrecking cities. Like we get what maybe like a two minute shot of him and uh, everything around him, he's just like, bulldozing it away it's it's really really well animated i thought just how much destruction he's causing uh but we kind of check in with the uh, league of villains here we've got skeptic uh who is like trying to get information on the the fight with shigaraki and endeavor and then dobby is just off to the side he's looking super ecstatic about everything that's happening uh compress stops toga and is like hey uh you know with everything that's going on are you sure you're cool with this because there's a couple heroes that you really like and like they're out there with these other heroes, so they're part of this. And uh, you know, it's it's interesting because she's kind of contemplating like, what even is a hero? Like Jin saved his friends. Does that make him a hero? 
And so she's she's almost checked out a little bit. Like, I think she's in the moment, but she's really hung up on what happened to Jen. And I mean, understandably so. Um, and she's she's continuing that dialogue just to kind of say, like, you know, if if I'm out there, they're going to kill me just like they did him. So, like, I've got to. Or she wants to know if they will. Right. Uh, so she she wants to go find out, and she's like, I've I've got to figure this out. Um, and so we uh we we kind of get a little bit more info. This is where they mention that the path around Gigantomachia has to be cleared for like seven kilometers. Uh, I'm curious. I didn't do the conversion. How many miles is that? Uh, I didn't do that conversion. I did do. He's running at a hundred kilometers per hour, which is sixty two miles per hour. Dang. Um. Yeah, he's booking it. Dude, I mean, that's like three it. times as fast as Usain Bolt right there. <laughs> um. But what is what did you say? Seven kilometers? Yeah. To miles? Yeah. Uh, let's see if I can just put it into Google. Four point three five miles. That's a massive. That is a wide berth. <laughs> that is huge. Holy cow! <laughs> They're just being extra careful. Remember, the heroes feel really bad about all this right now. <laughs> yeah, and then like we get introduced to some random hero that we've never seen before. He kind of looks like uh, Spot, who is a Spider-Man villain. Uh, but he's just instructing all the other heroes to save people, no matter what it takes. Like, hey, this is horrible. We're in this position, but people are dying. Like, even if you have to lose your life, get out there and save people. And Skeptic has actually got some, like, kind of rough cameras that he's got around the city. He's showing off the League of Villains that there are heroes approaching them very, very quickly. Uh, Compress is like, hey, what's that? Zoom in real quick. And it's Sue and Ochako. And so he points out to Toga, like, hey, your friends literally are right here. She begs him for some equipment and then she leaves. And it's it's kind of funny because Spinner is like, hey, you know, gives her this this almost like pep talk, like, hey, go out there, do what you gotta do, but like, you know, please come back. Like, come back to us. <laughs> and uh Compress is just like, hey, should we have let her do that? And Spinner says, Man, there was no way she's gonna listen. Like, what were you thinking? So I like that. I mean, it's very, very toga. Uh, but we we catch back up to Ochako, who literally saves Sue like right at the last second there as she's about to be crushed by a piece of debris coming in from Gigantomachia uh as she's saving a few civilians. And then this little old lady comes out of nowhere and is like, Hey, I need your help. My husband's better. Oh man. As soon as she came on the screen, and I have in my notes, old lady calls uh, calls for help because her husband is bedridden, and I just have in notes in all caps, shenanigans. This is 100% uh, to- uh, uh, toga. Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, it it reeked of uh, of her as soon as it was on the screen. But uh, Ochako sends Sue off with the two that, that, that she just rescued. Uh, she even, um, Toga even has a name prepared, Takeo, just right on the end, tip of her tongue, um, which I looked up just to see if it meant anything. And I read that it's a common masculine given name in Japan. So I wonder if it's just like, like she's John. just like, oh, my husband, John, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, but when she does get Ochako by herself in the alley, she drops her disguise. As soon as Ochako's like, I'm, I'm going to save him. I'm definitely going to save him. Uh, she drops her disguise and there's this like long time no see. Um, it, but she's still like Ochako follows her inside of this apartment. And I was like, this is dubious decision making here. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just be like, she's a villain, yo? I guess her. What is the explanation here? Uh, uh, that uh, her line that she's she's wanting to save everybody. Uh, I, and she doesn't threaten to kill Himiko Toba, uh, Toga at the end of this. She says that I'm going to capture you. So maybe she is in the business of preserving the lives even of those who are definitely standing in opposition to her at this point. I don't know. I took issue with this. Like, I feel like she's been trained enough by Ozawa to make more logical decisions. Like, dude, you've got Gigantomachia literally throwing boulders at you. I don't think right. the time to fight Toga is now. Like, just 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just, it felt like a dubious decision to be like, she went into that apartment? I guess I gotta go to that apartment. Yeah. Either she thought that Takeo John was a real dude, or she does want to rescue, like, seize Toga on this scene as a potential victim and wants to rescue her. Or she's holding a grudge, but I don't think that that last one makes any sense. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, I, admittedly, though, this next scene is kind of creepy because she walks in. It's very clearly like an abandoned building, or at least it's been evacuated and rushly evacuated, right? And Toga's throwing her voice all over the place, like talking about her love for Deku and like how she hates to see him get all beat up and everything. And then uh, she she starts talking about kind of like what happened with Jin. And then she just crashes through the ceiling and is on top of Ochako. She's trying to stab her. And she's asking Ochako if she wants to kill Toga. Like, do you want to kill me? Just like Jin died. Like, is that what you want? Is that really what you want? Like in this really Toga crazy way. And Ochako is just I like... Would, uh... I would point out, too, that when she comes down, like drops on uh, from above onto Ochako, that she's clothed and geared again. Yeah. She had to have, like, stowed all that stuff up in the attic somewhere. I would guess that this was probably actually that old lady's house. The reason it's deranged and and torn apart is probably because Toga had to kill her in that house. You know what (laughs) I mean? So she already probably was there, had her stuff, killed her, transformed, left what she needed. This was all planned, I think. I mean, Toga definitely thinks ahead, I would I would say. Uh, I like to, in the, um, in the anime anyway, Toga says, do you want to kill me like Jin was killed? Am I going to be killed? And I just have in my notes, just as a reminder to everybody, Hawks offered twice another option. Right. Like, it wasn't like his, his only option was, I'm sorry, you have to die here. But that doesn't get communicated across these across these battle lines, you know. Um, and this is, I think, that's what maybe Toga is seeking from Ochako or from Sue or from Midoriya. All these people come up in these conversations as she's kind of stalking um, uh, Ochako through the haunted house, or as she's just robing herself again in order to descend, like she's <laughs> buying the time to not be nude when she t- rains down on uh on Ochako. Fair enough. But I also love too, Ochako's like gunhead martial arts are in full swing in this, uh, because not only is she quick to uh kind of react and arrest the arm that has the knife, but here in a second she just like flips her casually across this room. Oh I know. And I was shocked that she didn't yell gunhead martial arts when she did so. Yeah. I've sc- I mean like that 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 should have been a thing. I agree. Because <laughs> she's done that like pretty much every other time she's done judo or martial arts. It would have been a really nice callback for sure. I like here too that that Achako's like totally flabbergasted at the situation. She's like, wait, what? Like you came here just for that? But then at that same statement, Toga is like, what do you mean just for that? Like this is everything to me. Uh, so it's just funny how like on opposite ends of the spectrum their brains are right now. And, and Toga just doesn't understand that at all she's she just doesn't get it and of course Ochaka's super mad like you said she basically flings toga off out of her way she decides she's going to help people so she she throws her away and then toga like recovers and just dashes off but it seems like Ochaka activated her powers right before this episode ends so i guess that's what we'll uh, figure out next week. You think she just like floats Togo away forever? I didn't notice that at the end. I did like though um that Ochako's beef with Toga right now is like Togo's, of course, is like, this isn't trivial. What do you mean just? But Ochako's like, just to ask that, you took the, you killed that old lady yeah. just to ask me this question. And that stands 
I mean, that's an infringement upon Otako's already stated goal of trying to help as many people as possible get get out of this without dying. And so she says, if you're going to get in my way, then I'll... In the anime, it says, I'll catch you right now. In the manga, it says, I'll stop you right now. Um, so it looks like we're going to get some um, Ochako versus Toga action in, the, in a... Uh, in, probably in the next episode, I would assume. I can't imagine. I don't know. It seems like it would be very easy narratively to just be like, oh, no, the fight that everybody really wants gets interrupted because Gigantomachia and stuff. Um, but right now, they're in closed quarters. They're both well aware of one another, which really, I would say, gives Ochako an advantage. I think that Toga's better advantage was that opportunity to to surprise, to, to pop that uh, sneak attack on Ochako. But she lost that when she dropped that disguise in the alleyway instead of, you know, in a confined space where she could have very easily have gotten the upper hand on Ochako. Not to say that Gunhead Martial Arts couldn't have also then gotten her out of that, those, uh, that, that sticky wicket. Um, but... That's not what we were what we were given. Yeah. But two two solid episodes. One twenty three, I think, uh, raised the animation back up some. I I really did honestly struggle. It's not like I was talking with uh, Mark about uh, about some of this. We were going back and forth on Twitter because a lot of people were like, one twenty two animation is so bad that I'm not watching this anime ever again. My hero now sucks in every facet possible. What? Screw everything. My Yeah, man, it was wild. That's a <laughs> very drastic response. <laughs> that seems... They were like, I'm not watching any more of the anime. I'm not reading the manga anymore. Screw all this stuff. I mean, it was bonkers. I didn't think it was that bad. I don't even know. But notice... there were definitely some places that was subpar, not nearly as good as it has been consistently this season. Yeah, that's wild. I can't imagine like getting that upset just because of like, you know, what 10 minutes, like most of that episode was yeah. fine. And it, and what's crazy is I bet some of those same people just a, a week ago and for whatever, how many episodes is this? Is this like the ninth episode of this season or 10th that they that for you know, eight episodes or whatever, they've been like, man, Studio Bones is freaking killing it. The animation is awesome. Oh my God. And then this one episode, there are a couple of admittedly not great animations. Uh, and they're just like, I'm over all of it. No more my hero. It was, I mean, just absolutely mind blowing seeing people just giving all things MHA a bird after this episode. It definitely was not deserving of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little wild. bit of criticism. Sure. Um, but burning down the franchise as a result, come on guys. <laughs> it's not like there aren't, you know, six other or five other seasons that are, you know, incredible. <laughs> come on. Yeah. That's frustrating. Yeah, and each of those seasons had subpar moments too, yeah. but they stuck through it. You know, you know it, obviously it, if they arrived at season six, it'd be one thing if like these were other animation people, like people that are animators tweeting this, but like, if you're just viewing it, I don't even want to hear it unless you're, unless you're out there doing the same thing. Psh, yeah. <laughs> Don't want to hear it. <laughs> uh, it was fun. Um, but after 123 aired, we did not see any similar sentiments. We did, I will admit, see um, a lot of people crossing their fingers, probably some of the same people that were like, oh, screw my hero, it's dead to me. You know, an episode later, they're still like, well, I wonder what's going to happen in 124. They better illustrate this thing well, or I'm going to say I quit it again. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever, Just like shove it, guys, come on. Uh, um, anyway, let's uh, let's get into some quirkles. You feel you feel up for uh, evaluating a couple of quirkles? Dude, We're yeah. celebrating some quirkles. We had a, we had a couple uh, submitted this week, didn't we? We did. Um, we have a total of five, including one from 
yours truly that hopefully lives up to the Tomac bars. We now, uh, Tomac bar TM. Uh, so we got Quirkles <laughs> from Raw32 from, these are all from the Discord. Uh, Raw32 uh, submitted one that is called Prime Glyph. It says it gives you the ability to understand any writing system immediately. However, it only translates the symbols, not the language. So you can know what Russian word is being written in Cyrillic. You just don't know what the Russian word means. So he's kind of like um, a slightly downgraded cipher from the X-Men. That makes some sense to you. Yeah, so like I guess you could translate it for someone that could read it, but maybe not necessarily understand yeah. it yourself. Yeah, that is yep. very cipher-like. Huh. Prime glyph. That's interesting. Um, Tom Axe submission goes by Rainy Drive. Uh, the Quirk user has the ability to control water as long as it is in contact with their feet or calves. The user is able to essentially control water through the soles of their feet, where they have an intake that travels to their calf, where they have an exhaust. So kind of like Eda, but with water. After running the water through their intake, the user has a limited ability to control it. This enables them to essentially surf around on a mass of water on dry land, and with enough water under them, they can even create small tidal waves in enclosed spaces. Uh, let's see. Is... Salt water is hazardous as a medium to be used with this quirk, much like drinking water from the ocean is to ordinary people, and the quirk requires the use of pre-existing water as it cannot create any of its own. It's essentially borrowing from the Eda family idea. Think of the physical component as a water jet that grants the ability to control the water that it has used. That's actually really interesting. It's it's almost like a biologically correct freshwater Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. Or like a jet ski is kind of what he's describing. Yeah, yeah it is basically. Uh, with an ski. intake and a propulsion. Although it makes it he makes it sound like with the with enough water, he mentions limited control. Um so that you could propel it out and then would have uh, enough control over that water to kind of uh, cycle it back through the intake, almost on like a loop. Um, I liked, too, that salt water is hazardous, as if it would like gum up the works. I like that. Or I assume it would be like dehydrate the user, so you may be able to use it, but it would probably kill you. Yeah, he did uh, he, uh, mention drinking, like drinking water from the ocean is to ordinary people, so there could be that, too. Yeah. Um, Stricken submitted one called Dream Photo, which is kind of like what I ended up coming uh, up with, but I'll read you his first and mine last, of course. If you keep a camera by your bedside while you're sleeping, it takes up to five pictures a night of whatever your dreams might be. You don't have control over what portion of the dream it takes pictures of, and you typically have nightly dreams that are usually very vivid and often lucid. Nightmares included, which may often lead to sleep issues, Polaroid or digital cameras can view the results instantly on waking. Film-based cameras need to be developed to be viewed. I like that last little bit. Like, you got to take them into CVS if you use a... Uh... <laughs> God, imagine if you started, like, dreaming about the woman that works at CVS. How creepy would that be? <laughs> yeah, that's awkward. <laughs> that could be an awkward quirk in general. Jeez. Oh, man, that's interesting. I like that. And then Tom Tom submitted his first quirkle, um, a relative newcomer to the Discord, um, and his... Submission was interesting because upon reading it at first, I was like, well, he used a word from the Quirkle list, but I don't, I don't recall that we ever said you can only use words that are on that list. I think that we are, we've, we've basically said you need to use words from these lists. This is the list from which you must draw, but not exclusively so. So he took the word maple from the list, but he amended uh, or uh, added to it the word hose, which could not be a Quirkle word. 
it has too few letters. Um, so I guess an amendment to our own rules would be you must incorporate at least one word from that list, which I do believe that we've said, but can also bring in words from outside of that list to um, enhance your quirkle. Yeah, there you go. I like it. So I like that. So well, you said so, the quirk is maple hose, like H-O-S-E maple? or H-O-E-S? Yeah. H-O-S-E, not like you got a bunch of maple hose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I was going to swears, but that we have children probably that listen. Uh, so he says that the quirk holder can produce a stream of maple syrup from their fingertips. Not only does the syrup have the same properties as regular syrup, but when it's touched by skin, obviously not the quirk holders, uh, it gives that area of contact the sensation of moving through maple syrup, which can slow the victim down. It's effective up to an hour and a half after contact, depending on how thick the syrup was. And I was really hoping as I was reading that, I was like, depending on if it, whether or not he had a good dump that morning, but <laughs> uh, missed opportunity there, Tom Tom. The thickness of the syrup and how much syrup can be produced at a time is determined by, and again, I was like, is this where he's going to say the dump? No, uh, it's determined by how hydrated the person is, which makes more sense. Um, this can get tricky because if the person drinks too much water, the syrup will come out too thin and watery, in short, less effective. But if the person doesn't drink enough, they will get dehydrated and become weak and lightheaded. So finding the balance of how much water to drink, especially in preparation for a coming battle, is part of the training this quirk holder would have to undergo. And then, and then he says, uh, fun fact, the flavor of the syrup can be affected by what the person eats. If they eat something sweet, it will be sweet. If they eat something salty or savory, it will taste like those flavors were mixed in with the syrup. And in the Discord, he was like, but it would be weird because if anybody actually tasted it, it would be like their mouth was slowed down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's not like you could put it on pancakes. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty fun. So maple hose from Tom Tom. I like that. You know, I was thinking back to the first quirk you read uh, that's kind of like Cypher. That quirk uh -huh. would be perfect with that new board game coming out because... You could uh, translate mm. the uh, the the riddles into like just English potentially. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if there could be some kind of yeah. caveat there. That'd be cool. I agree. So, anyways, um, so last Quirkle, one. Yes, what was yours? Yeah, kind of like um, Stricken's. Instead of dream photo, mine is dream aloud. The user of this quirk has perfect dream recollection and can manifest items and beings from those dreams as tangible projections in real life. When manifested, they take on similar characteristics to their real-world counterparts where any exist, but in the event that uh, more of the imagination is involved, say in the case of a flying spaghetti monster, the conjured item's uh, constituent parts follow the same rules, uh, but sentience is included where applicable. Uh, it's not restricted to an animate. It does allow for clones, so for uh, instance, if I dreamt of myself in third person, I could then conjure up a clone of myself. That would have all of my same, um, all of my same characteristics, but the restriction is that there's a limited pool. So if he or she has only dreamt of the flying spaghetti monster once, it is used up. And additionally, oh, the wow. user's hippocampus is heavily taxed with each use, and over time will incur real damage, thereby affecting the user's abilities to recall anything, let alone their dreams, resulting in symptoms similar to that of Alzheimer's. Dude, that's dark. I like that right? though. That's a that's a really good um, kind of like drawback to this because what a powerful quirk. I mean, if you got really good at controlling your dreams, which people claim to be able to do, you could generate whatever you needed. I mean, it's like the limits there are uh, astounding. The only problem is is that you're just accurately or you're just just damaging yourself. Like how 
is it time based or well no it's not because if you just get rid of your core or if you get rid of that that memory basically it's it's damaging you so the faster you cycle through your uh constructs you gosh like how long would you even expect someone to have this quirk before they just eventually faded away mentally i don't know but i did like i really wanted to bake in something that was like it's like you said you're you're um you're retrieving it um say from your hippocampus which is involved in in uh the dream sure, states yeah. that that there there is some sort of tax on that uh on that region of the brain and it would probably manifest slowly like you you start to notice that you are a little bit more forgetful maybe you you're like i need to take some ginkgo and it'll be fine <laughs> um but eventually it it progresses where you start to connect the dots and you see um causality and then you become a lot more wary about what it is that you conjure and when and so the the quirk itself becomes more of a precious resource than it is this unlimited power because otherwise if if there wasn't a real drawback like that it would be an extremely powerful quirk yeah, like you said yeah man could you forget your quirk i don't think so i just think you would you lose the ability to lose it um because you remember quirk is like part of like the dna yeah but if you don't um, know how to use it like a quirk like what you're describing would be something you'd have to like how would you even discover that gosh i don't know that's just one of those uh one of those crazy things man like when you get into the uh the quirk world anything is possible right yeah and it reminded me it was kind of inspired by trauma of marvel fame who can like manifest the fears of other people that's another um, new mutant, I right? I wasn't thinking of trauma though. I thought there was a there's remember. another new mutant. Like she's one of the first original ones, uh, and she basically can summon people's biggest fears. Because it's, yeah, it's, it's the trauma. It's the trauma was a new. He was in a uh, part of the Avengers Initiative. I want to say. Oh he, yeah, so he's newer. I'm thinking of a. Uh, uh, oh gosh, she's she really became like the main character in the Demon Bear Saga, if you remember that at all. Rain yeah, yeah. Will, uh, no, Rain Wilson is the guy then in the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the dude from yeah. the office. <laughs> uh yeah, I oh man, the um I know who you're talking about. I even watched that atrocious new mo- uh new movie. Oh, that's right. They um, made a live action movie, didn't they? Yeah, it was uh it was not very good. Danny, Danny, Danny something, Danny Light, Danny Is it Mirage? Light something. Oh, Mirage might be her mutant name. Yeah, I think. I don't know why I've got Danny stuck in my head. I bet that maybe that's her first name. Um, but yeah, uh, Mirage. Let's look up her powers real quick. Mirage X Men. Danny Moonstar. It's something similar yeah, it's to Danny that. Moonstar. Oh, Moonstar. Ability to what create did I say? Lightfoot. Uh, wow, why did that just disappear? Uh, yeah, so it is uh, Danielle or Danny Moonstar. Mirage is her mutant name. She possesses the ability to create illusions of her opponent's fears or wishes. Gotcha. So let me read for you the um, the description of traumas, then, and we'll see how similar these things are. Is trauma um, also a mutant? Uh, I don't remember. I know he's part of. I'm pretty sure he he first like showed up in the Avengers Initiative stuff, but I I could be even wrong about that. To be honest, that's where I remember reading him from. So Terrence possesses a few abilities who have granted him the designation of an Omega class weapon. That makes some sense. Oh, and it says Danny helped him control his powers. Whoa, there we go. So he's got telepathic shape shifting. Trauma can shape. Oh, he turns himself into these things. 
So trauma can shapeshift into anything that his target fears. There you go. So there is a distinction between the two, a very significant one, I should say. Man, these are so cool. I love, I love how much inspiration my hero has pulled from all these different genres and like just the ability to sit back and kind of come up with these quirkles like i'm sure people did with mutant powers back in the day so much fun i'm I'm so glad you came up with this idea man i love that uh under trauma's weaknesses it, and we've totally pulled this move in quirkles before where it's like he can make you second guess yourself unless you're really confident and then he's useless <laughs> so the weakness for um Trauma is if his target lacks fear or are able to overcome them, such as the Hulk, then he is rendered virtually powerless with nothing to shapeshift into. Or like any of the Green Lanterns. Like, like as long as your opponent has yeah. enough willpower, then you're pretty much screwed, pal. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, man, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, but I think it will wrap us up, right? It will. Um, we will be back in two weeks' time with episode 120 of AMP covering episodes 124 and 125. Assuming, I have not heard yet that uh, the anime is going on break over the holidays, so I'm assuming that they're just going to keep on coming. Um, but we've we've been wrong before, uh, so brace for that. We do have backup um episode ideas so we in two weeks time there will be something amp to tune into absolutely but uh if you find yourself lacking and you're interested in comic books you can always check out my youtube channel i've been getting uh going i've got i've got a video i'm working on that i'm actually really excited about adkins i gotta tell you i'm gonna show off how i inventory all my stuff in uh, filing cabinets and like how that system works because it's kind of neat to set up so if you've got a bunch of manga and maybe you need a filing cabinet storage system i'll have a video to show <laughs> so you so far <laughs> so far because um, the, the feature, not bugginess of, of this is that I own very little. In fact, most of my manga fits on a single shelf in my there house. Um, but, uh, if you're not interested in comics, you could still tune in, give a like and subscribe because YouTube algorithms are a thing. Uh, in the absence of that though, you can always find us, the AMP on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at almighty pod and visit the pinned tweet click on the link, join us in the Discord. A little heads up, I feel like there's been a little bit of confusion about this recently. When you join the Discord from that link, you basically get dumped into a general chat channel on the BPNs network because they're gracious enough to continue to host us. Um, you will have to navigate on the uh, the channels on the left to the Almighty Pods channel. So make sure that you find exactly where we are. Although if you say that you're there because of MHA, I will find you eventually because I pay attention to uh, the general channel. In the event, people uh, don't know that the it doesn't take you directly to where all of the nerdy anime stuff conversations are happening. Absolutely. And if none of that stuff interests you, then we do have a Dragon Ball Z podcast you can go check out called Kyo Cinema, and you should definitely do it. But other than Yeah, it should be easy to catch up on currently because we haven't put out an episode in like four months. Um but we'll get there. We're we're it is still on our radar. It's still something that we definitely want to finish. In fact, man, superheroes is out on um Blu-ray as of the time of this recording. Oh what really? Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Huh. Came out on Blu-ray yesterday. Now I didn't read very deep into the article, so maybe it was only in Japan, but it's out. I've seen a lot of clips of it on Twitter already today. Yeah, so that'll be uh, in the bucket to review uh, sometime in the future. Yep, it will indeed. But for now, I think we're going to wrap up episode 120, and we'll see you guys in two weeks' time. In two weeks.